Mine's good. Life good! Got real close. Got hair high, right? Trying to hit two thirds. Have they saved it for her? Yes, they have! Ooh, welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, hi. Uh, <laughs> how are you going? Going good. How about you? I'm going all right. Uh, going all right. I just uh, did a bunch of French language training, Sean. Nice. Uh, they're teaching me how to speak French good. <laughs> uh, so when is your English lesson? Oh, <laughs> sick burn. Uh, yeah. So I've got uh, le français et tout là. Mm-hmm. So if I break into French uh, for any of this uh, podcast, just let me know and I'll I'll go back. Okay. All right, sounds good. We'll we'll keep that in mind just in case uh, we do get a little French coming through. So, Scott, it's been a while since we talked, of course. Yeah, since uh, two nights ago. Yes, about uh, forty-four hours ago, we recorded our Scotty's recap, and fortunately, we were able to get it up in front of uh, two girls in a game. Which uh, once theirs is up, it might be up as we record this. I haven't looked at Twitter in a while. Once it's up, they win. The Scotty's week all the time. They win most well, weeks, to be honest. Well, they they win the Scotty's week anyway because they had a participant. But that's what I mean. Like, well, they, they win yeah. it. We well, Sean, we just have to qualify for the Briar, and then we'll win the Briar week. Right, piece of cake, piece <laughs> of cake. <laughs> Let's get on that. Yeah. So my apologies if you downloaded it on Google Podcasts on Monday morning and got our Simpsons recap. I clicked on the wrong file when I was uploading. Uh, fortunately, it just affected uh, Google not Apple or any of the other ones. And I could explain why, but I'd rather not. So my apologies for that. Everything did get corrected in the morning. Thanks to those of you who pointed it out to us. So uh, check it out if you have not yet, because now, Scott, it is time to turn our attention to the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. And just before we move on, yes, the, the two girls, Scotty's recap part one and part two are both oh. up right now okay so check those out last year's was great I, I obviously haven't listened to it yet since i didn't know they were out but last year's was great laurie had some great behind the scenes stories of, of all that was going on and certainly this year more involved with the bubble if you want to get a sense of what was actually happening out in calgary while they were there certainly uh, encourage you to check out two girls in a game this week yeah yeah it, it'll, it'll be really fun i think really fun Yeah, so uh, Scott, let's get right into the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar. The 2020 Tim Hortons Briar was the last major curling event we had until Mm -hmm. the Scotties, a crazy event. You were there all week. I was there for the opening weekend, and it was a Boncos event. Great finishes all the way through. Uh, I'm sad Kevin Martin missed so many great finishes before championship pool. I think he would have enjoyed the round robin play, but hey, that's up to him. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think overall, Scott, when you looked at the teams, we went into that event saying maybe the best field ever, a lot of teams could win, bore out that way where you had four teams and a tiebreaker for the last spot. Brad Jacobs had to play three games on Saturday, two tiebreaks, and then the 3-4 game. Just a, a really incredible event. And given the situation this year with so many member associations just sending the same team, again, being unable to have a provincial championship, I think we're on tap for another phenomenal week. Yeah, we 
talked in the Scotty's preview about how many teams could win the event and and you thought four and I thought five. Yeah. Um, looking at this like real quickly, there's eight teams that I think could win. Okay. I've said a couple, I've a couple seven. others that are like on the fringe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. So I have seven teams that I think could win. <laughs> I have three teams that I would consider fringy. So overall, I have 10 teams that if they made the playoffs, wouldn't be shocking necessarily. So who are the seven that I think we would probably agree on? So uh, Botcher. Yeah. Jacobs. Mm-hmm. McEwen. Yep. Epping. Yep. Brad Gushu. Yeah. Kevin Cooey. Yeah. And Matt Dunstone. Correct. And so the team that I don't think could necessarily win, but would be on that fringe, I'm guessing you got Gunner there. Gunner is the one. Yeah. 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 And then the fringe teams is Howard and Laycock. Uh, yeah. 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 That sounds about right. Yeah, so those are ten teams. <laughs> that's that's crazy. That like we we talked about the women's game. The depth is really at the world level. Yeah, and in the men's game, the depth is in Canada. And I think comparing the two fields really really bears that out. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, last time as you said, I thought there was four teams could win, and you thought there was five. The four teams that I thought could win were the four that played on Sunday between the tiebreaker and then the playoffs. So it really did turn out that way. And when you looked at the championship pool. On the women's side, great play all week from Quebec, for instance. They struggled in that championship pool. So it's it's one of these things where the men's side, just right now, as we sit in Canada, is deeper domestically. And I, that's also reflected in who got invited to the Grand Slams. With only four mm-hmm. women's teams from Canada being invited to the Grand Slams, a lot more men's teams will stick around in the bubble. So I'm really excited for, for this because of that. So Scott, I, I asked you last time as well, which pool do you think is better? And I'm going to ask you again, because I think there's a clear answer here as well. I think it's pool B. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, pool A, yeah, it's got, yeah. No, the answer is pool B. Uh, okay. So pool B has Gushu, Epping, Dunstone, and Kui in the pool. I feel bad for everybody else. Because one, they're going to struggle to get TV games. And two, they're going to struggle to win games uh, with those four teams. And when you look at the rest of the... So the rest of the pool is Newfoundland and Labrador, Greg Smith, Nova Scotia, which we'll talk about. It's Jamie Murphy's team. He's not there. Nunavut, Prince Edward Island, Quebec. uh, Round out that pool. Those teams... Someone's going to have to go perfect within those teams and then scratch a win against one of the top four to have any chance at the championship pool. Yeah. I would be shocked if it was anybody other than those four you talked about that, that move on to the championship pool from this, from this pool B. Yeah. And so over in pool A, you have Botcher, Gunlickson, Jacobs, McEwen, Howard. So one of those five is going to miss the pool player or getting, getting into the championship pool. Uh, we can talk about who that could be as we go through, but I think in terms of the the top teams, you're looking at Botcher, Jacobs there, uh, and I guess McEwen. It's weird when you, when we say when I think mm-hmm. there's seven teams that could win, I think Pool B is stronger because four of those teams are in Pool B and only three of them are in Pool A. So yeah. uh, it is a little stronger, I think, because of that. But it's there's not much to choose from on either side. No, no, not really. And and so like that fourth spot in Pool A. Probably come down to either Steve Laycock or Jason Gunlickson, and I'd give Gunner the edge. Um, but you never know, right? 
Yeah, um, Howard could go on a run. I mean, he could have a good week. Yeah, that's true. That's right. true. And uh, we'll talk about his team uh, and who will be there this week a little yeah. bit later. But uh, yeah, so that's sort of the big picture of the Briar, which, Sean, let me ask you, this sounds like it makes the beginning of the week less compelling than, say, on the women's side, where there was more jockeying for those the championship pool positions. But I think the championship pool so- section will be like a lot more fun. What do you think of that? I I think maybe where I would sort of try to massage that is that in pool A and pool B, you're going to have in most draws a real marquee game. And as we saw on the women's side, early losses are going to matter once we get down to the playoffs. So those early games like draw one is Gushu Epping. Like that's a huge game when we're looking down the line at the playoffs. So these teams all have to play each other in the round robin. So those games will be interesting. And if I could just take us back to last year, where all the teams had a full season and were sharper. And if we learned something from the women's side is that the teams aren't going to come in sharp mm-hmm. because they haven't played. And last year we saw games where Gunner had to make the crazy, or was it? No, it was Gunner. Gunner had to make the crazy shot against PEI to win, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. team was able to take him down to the wire. James Gratton is going to give you a game when yeah. he is yeah. at this event. So don't sleep on him. Scott McDonald can play. And the guys he's playing with know how to play in a briar. This is Greg Smith's second time. And we know that there's a significant increase in performance from the first to the second time. Mike Fournier has been there before. So even Peter McKay has played before. So I don't think that while there will be blowouts, I think we will see some interesting games between these teams that we have labeled that can't win. Mm hmm when they're playing these top teams, like if you're a top team, whereas you saw Kerry Anderson kind of step into that game against UConn, either half asleep or or something where they fell behind. I I don't know. Just sort of a crazy set of circumstances that she fell behind. You could see that a little bit here where some of these teams are going to come up, have good games and take these to 10th, maybe even 11th ends. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I I wonder if there'll be times when, you know, we start with, Greg Smith against Brad Gushu. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a fun game to put on TV. Yep. Um, and, you know, by the third end, we're moving. Like we saw with uh, the game at the Scotties that was New Brunswick, I think. Yeah, it was the Melissa Adams game. Yeah. yeah. So, like, do we start with a, a, a matchup and say, oh, this could be fun. And then quickly we're like, Ugh, uh, <laughs> let's go over to that uh, Eddie McKenzie, Mike Fournier game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I think for the fans in Newfoundland and Labrador, they scheduled that game on Wednesday night. Ah, it should yeah, have been a morning draw, right? Like yeah. mor- morning or an afternoon draw. Like, don't put that. That's a 10 o'clock tip in uh, in Newfoundland. That seems like a strange choice for the two Newfoundland teams to play. But uh, that's what uh, that's what it is. Yeah. And you've got uh, wild card versus Ontario that night. Wild card two. Yeah. So that'll be your TV. Game. So that'll be your <laughs> It'll be Cooey against uh, Epping. Yeah, so. yeah. So, uh, so let's get into this, Scott. Let's go team by team, talking about all eighteen squads that are in the bubble as we speak. So let's start in pool number A, and let's go with the. Uh, let's just go alphabetical here. So let's start at the top of the alphabet, and Love Brandon it. Botcher and his squad 
out of Alberta. Scott, the three-time defending silver medalist at a Briar. They won the Briar already with a great tweet about the odds for winning that were put out. Uh, they tweeted, what are our odds, odds to finish second? Scott, is this the year that Brendan Botcher makes the leap and becomes a Briar champion? You know, I, I look at this sort of like the Buffalo Bills that we mentioned on our uh, our Scotty's podcast. Uh, three times in a row to get to a final of a Briar is really hard. Yes. Really, really hard to do. Uh, it takes a lot of skill to do that. They're a great team. But that said, I kind of want to put money on them to finish second just for the hilarity of it. <laughs> right? Like, four in a row? Four, four in a row. It, it would become some sort of curse at that point, right? Where yeah. you'd think like, what is going wrong for this team? Last year, we saw them finish top of the top of the tables there at the Briar, win the one-two game. So yep. They had rest going in. Uh, they weren't sharp in that final. Brendan Botcher, especially, yeah, uh, not sharp and sort of it, it sort of turned into not quite a game uh, pretty quick uh, with a few misses. So. We're talking about them first because they're alphabetically. They're also, I think, first or second, maybe uh, on the. Uh, yeah, they're the pretty high merit. Yeah. So, like, they're really good, and I I would expect them to not only be in the championship pool, but but to be in the playoffs for sure, unless something went terribly wrong. Yeah, I, I well, I mean, there's only three playoff spots, right? And there's really really good teams, so. To say that it'd be shocking for them to miss the playoffs, I I don't think it's going to be shocking if anybody misses the playoffs in this event with three spots. And again, the fact that nobody has really played competitively at all through the course of the season. I do think that this team does get a bit of a break on the schedule front. They open against Gunlickson on Saturday morning. That's obviously a tough game maybe not the toughest that they'll see in the pool. And then they get Northwest territories. Then they get new Brunswick and then they get Howard. And we'll talk about what's going on with Howard. So Hmm. out of the possible ways that you could start your event, that's not necessarily easy, but that's easier than it could be. So they might have that chance to shake off the rust with a little more room to air that will more room for air than if they were playing Jacobs and McEwen early on in the week, for instance. Yeah, but then that does mean they are playing Jacobs and McEwen later in the week. Yeah. And an, an early stumble could prove to be a lot more costly than yes. uh, than otherwise would be. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I think to look for in this event is Darren Molding. When he's really good, it's not quite the same as the miscue Homan dynamic, but when Darren Molding's really good, Brendan Botcher is just that much better because the degree of difficulty goes down. For him, and and I realize that's kind of a truism for all skips and all thirds, but with with Darren Molding, he's going good. This team is is almost unstoppable, and you know he had the emotional response to the loss last year. One of the things he said in that moment was, "I don't know how many times I'm going to get back here," and I, I do wonder if we're looking at if this team doesn't win in December or now November in Saskatoon. Have they talked about this being the last run and and it was a a run for a quadrennial and and how that would play out? So it's possible that this could be the last time we see them in a briar, the four of them all together. Yeah, really sad to to think that Darren Molding, who is two weeks younger than me, (laughs) is uh, 
contemplating having this existential crisis of uh of his curling life yeah. uh so yeah i mean we'll we'll see what happens after the quadrennial like you say but uh let's let's try and live in the moment sean and uh for this week they're going to be pretty fun to watch yeah no no question about it and i would... best uh best social media right in uh men's curling yeah yeah not but even the... close but yeah, I mean that could be damning with faint praise. <laughs> so uh, so let's go across the mountains, Scott, to British Columbia. Steve Laycock is back in the Briar once again. He is there, of course. Jim Cotter with him, throwing the fourth stones. One of the great throwers is Jim Cotter, and and John Morris just raves about him as a fourth stone thrower kind of an interesting thing or a nice thing that they've done this year tyler tardy will be there as the fifth so great for tyler tardy to get into the bubble earlier than he would have otherwise he'll be there for the mixed doubles and just get Mm -hmm. a sense of what the briar game is all about so it'll be nice to have him there he'll probably get into a game or two i'm sure scott last year this team struggled wasn't great but again, they're a team that uh, two and five last year that they'll give you a game because they have so much experience and have guys who know how to play at this level. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All the way down at uh, 44 in the uh, world curling rankings. It, it seems crazy, right? Like I don't play much. Well, like Mike Fournier is 34. Yeah, but he plays more. So I'm just I'm just saying that's uh, I, I was a little surprised by that. Um, but like you say, Jim Cotter, one of the best throwers ever, uh, Swatsky's playing lead. Andrew Nurpin, I think is back for his second year as the second, uh, I might be wrong, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see, uh, like Cotter, nicest guy in curling, right? Everybody will tell you that. Everyone loves Uh, it. We'd want to see them do well. Uh, but like you say that they're in a really tough spot, uh, given the the talent of everybody else at the Briar. So they'll be scratching and calling for that fourth spot in the championship pool. And I, I don't think much else. The, uh, the difference in pay is what they're looking to looking to capitalize on. Yeah. Get that extra twelve and a half thousand dollars to get yeah. to the championship pool. And then maybe once things open, they can uh, play a bit more. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so let's head over to Manitoba. We only have two Manitoba teams this time. Uh, it's going to be very, very tough for the folks at Curl Manitoba to only have two teams in a field. So, uh, but let's talk about Jason Gunlickson. He's there, one of our favorites, Scott, one of the best quotes in curling. He was very open over the course of the winter about the challenges associated. Should a briar be a priority for curling Canada? He was uh, one of the more reserved players about the possibility of going into the bubble, but they are there as Team Manitoba for the second time with Adam Casey at third, Matt Wozniak, and Connor Negevin at lead. And for them, they have also brought in a young world champion curler. Jacques Gauthier is going to be there as the fifth player. So Kathy Gauthier has her son and her nephew on board. And if there was ever a chance where we would have the fifth player's mics on, it would be in the BC Manitoba (laughs) game if it's a morning game and Kathy gets to call it. Ooh, yeah, that'd be really fun. And it is a morning game. I'll just say this, Thursday morning. There you go. All right. All right. So um, just before we get comments from uh, listeners, Megan, this is for you. (laughs) They They are doing the same thing, branding 
the last team, the third team as the wildcard team and the other teams as the sort of the second teams from their associations. <clears throat> no need to uh, stress over it because nobody had the chance to play. So uh, they'll be wearing, I think, the brown uniforms that the Chelsea Carey rink was wearing. Also, though, the, the uniforms aren't going to look the retro look of the Scotties. No. Uh, they'll be going back to the more traditional uh, of the last few years, Briar yep. Luck. Uh, that was for the 40th anniversary of Kruger's sponsorship. Yes. So uh, anyway, back and the, the Jason Gunlickson team will have the, the traditional Manitoba uh gold color i'll say the the yellow um i'm really excited that this team this will be my first chance to see matt wozniak since he left uh, mike McEwen's rank four yep. years ago uh he was announced by by gunner that he'd be back on early into the pandemic that he'd be joining their team adam casey moving up to third uh it should be it should be fun to see this team uh wozniak's one of the best seconds i think in the in the game i really like the way he plays a uh, good sweeper and should be a good teammate for these guys. Um, I expect them to make it to the championship pool. Uh, I, I think they're going to get that fourth spot. Okay. What do you think? I'm not as sure. We saw last year some inconsistency with Gunlickson that mm-hmm. opening weekend. They really struggled with the runbacks. Adam Casey held the broom for him last year, but threw second. So this will be the first time where he's back in that third position. And uh, I, I agree that they have, as we handicap it today, I would put them in the pole position for that fourth spot. But I'm not, like we said with the women's, there's just so much uncertainty about who has been on the ice, who hasn't. But uh, there's one thing I know for sure is that no one's going to have more fun than Jason Gunlickson. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, we'll be hoping for some good quotes from him. He's a, he's a great interview and a great curling sort of thinker. You know, he's always thinking about how he can get an edge, you know, uh, he's in the forefront of analytics. Uh, so yeah, I'll be looking to see, uh, what, what sort of advantages he can carve out of uh, this unique Briar experience. Yeah. We actually saw during the Scotties one day, a team, I can't remember who it was. Someone tried to employ the, Gunner's strategy of we score one, they score one, we score one, they score one, we score one, we win the game. But yeah. they gave up a two and lost the game. <laughs> like through the whole game, it was just ones back and forth. Uh, and I was thinking, man, Gunner must be proud of this. It's great. Well, we'll have to see, uh, you know, if the fact that he coached Brendan Botcher's team, uh, you know, if that yeah. gives him any any insight when he goes to play against them. Yeah. Well, from what we could tell, the coaching was mostly like going to get coffee and hanging out and uh, no, he did more. Of course he did more. Gunner, Gunner's course. great. Gunner's great. Uh, so, and the best media guide entry of all time uh, when he was 35 <laughs> years old and it said years curling 36. Just brilliant. <laughs> Just brilliant. Uh, so uh, let's head over East Coast now, Scott. Jimmy the Kid, your good friend and uh, the person who got you on a plane. So uh, he's back representing New Brunswick. Won last year's New Brunswick final. Great draw to the button to win that game. And that ends up getting them two spots into the Briar. Scott, what do you expect from James Grattan's squad? Well, uh, interesting. Th- the most interesting thing I think about this James Grattan squad is they're bringing in uh, Jonathan Buke uh, from Ontario, former junior champion, I think with Tyler Tardy, uh, to come in and play third for them at this event. Uh, he's, he's a really good thrower, a, a great player. 
I saw him last year at the Ontario uh, Tankard when I went down to watch. Uh, strong, strong player, uh, and will be a very good addition to this team. Uh, there was a little bit of controversy, though. Have you heard this, Sean? No, what's up? That uh, I think it was Matt Dunstone tweeted at him like, oh, you think that provinces should be represented? Like, why are you taking this guy from Ontario? Uh, and anyway, James was like, because we don't have many choices. Like, <laughs> Wait, Matt Dunstone said that? I, I think it was Matt Dunstone. Uh, Matt Dunstone, who played for Manitoba? Who's from Saskatchewan? <laughs> said that yeah yeah okay yeah. interesting uh so anyway there was a bit of controversy about it the other thing uh i heard from listening to the girls podcast is that jonathan buke is a rocket scientist a literal rocket scientist pretty cool pretty neat right yeah now maybe i'm wrong maybe it's somebody else but uh <laughs> anyway i thought it was cool yeah. So what do you expect? I mean, this is a team. I mean, they can draw like Gretton can draw with anybody pretty much. So what do we expect from them? I mean, last year at this event, not the greatest of weeks to be sure. So what do you want from them or are they a threat potentially to get into that championship pool? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. I'll, I'll correct myself. He's a doctor, not necessarily a rocket scientist, but uh, no, I, I, I don't think that they'll stick around for that championship pool. Like Jimmy, the kid, he can, he can make the draws like you say. And you know, if he's throwing and he's, if he's able to pick the ice up quick, I, yeah. I think they have a chance. Um, it's always been the case since Russ Howard left New Brunswick or uh, retired from curling that the New Brunswick team has come in and had some trouble reading the ice for the first one or two draws. And once they get a hang of it, uh, they're super competitive. Right. Given that not a lot of people have played this year and it'll be, you know, the first time this season for a lot of teams playing on that arena ice, it'll, you know, we'll see how quickly they're able to pick it up. They're also one of the teams that's been able to play. They were able to play in, uh, Oh, I guess they, no. Their playdowns were can't was canceled. Yeah, they didn't play. Uh, no. But they they were able to play a little bit during the season, you know, before things got shut down. Uh, so they've been on the ice, uh, been able to practice. Uh, I you know I think they'll be able to give somebody a game, like give anybody a game. But I I don't feel optimistic for their uh, their breakthrough, and they're also playing so they're playing wild card one first, and then Laycock, and then. Um, botcher so you know it could be pretty tough uh pretty tough out of the gate right uh yeah and i just want to correct myself i believe matt Dunstone's from manitoba uh now plays in saskatchewan i think uh if i'm right on that i just want to go back to that because i've been i'm looking at this uh back and forth yes that does exist well, between trains Sean is actually from uh is actually born in kamloops british columbia uh, oh no lives in kamloops he right? lives in kamloops yeah now he lives in bc i know that Oh boy. Yeah. All these people moving around can't keep track. I know. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, kind of an interesting back and forth there uh, with uh, Matt Dunstone and James Gratton. So, hey, maybe that'll be an interesting game when they uh, square off. Uh, if they make the championship. If they make pool. the championship pool. Uh, yeah, maybe that's why they're in different pools. They don't have to see each other. Uh, we yeah. don't want any, any, uh, any ill will going on. All right, let's move down the list. Scott, Brad Jacobs is next is i mentioned off the top 
They played three times last year on Saturday to get out of the tiebreaker, losing the 3-4 game to Brad Gushu. Scott, a team that certainly can win whenever they step onto the ice. Last year, they had some struggles, lost some games that they probably shouldn't have, including that Gushu game on, was it Sunday night of the of the opening Sunday night of the Briar? So. They were uh, up uh, big. Yeah, scored four in the first end and, and gave it all right back pretty much. And a, a team that with Mark Kennedy, I like them a lot more as a just a solid stable team with Mark Kennedy and therefore you would have to think that they're a definite threat to win. Yeah, I think this team will probably win this event. Spoiler alert for my picks. Okay. Um they're really good. Uh they were the best team last year uh overall that through the whole season, I mean, yeah, you know, through uh, the season, yeah. Uh not the and bad. I feel like I feel like they've probably been thinking about that Briar from last year ever since they got home. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'd expect them to uh, uh, them to make it happen. Yeah, and it's again, it's just a case of where are they having not really had a chance to play and not living together, uh, close together with with Mark Kennedy, of course, out in Alberta. Does that make a, an impact? Probably not. They're all really good, and we'll see how it how it plays out for them. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move down the list. Northwest Territories, Greg Skog is there. Jamie Cooey, of course, withdrew from the Northwest Territories play down off the risk of not being eligible to play in other events had they had to withdraw from the Northwest Territories play down. So Greg is there in his place, a team, Scott, that uh, without Jamie Cooey, I would say that the Northwest Territories team might not be as much fun. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, I got to talk to Jamie last year at the at the Briar, and I, I really appreciated what he was doing and trying to, you know, bring along the next generation of Northwest Territories curling. Uh, he had uh, young guys playing with him, trying to mentor them, gave them some chances even to to skip at that event. Um, so yeah, we'll see an, a new team there. Uh, one of the players is familiar, though, right? Is Tom Nogler on that team? Yeah, Tom Nogler's on the team. Uh, Brad, He's at third. Brad Patzer at th- uh, second. And Robert Borden, not to be confused with the former prime minister, of course, is going to throw the lead stones. Uh, so uh, David Aho is there as the fifth. Another familiar Yeah, so, so David was there and, and uh, skipped a couple, of, a couple of games, or a few ends anyway, last yeah. year. So... Uh, that's nice bringing uh, bringing him along, and uh, Robert Borden's been there before. Tom Nogler's been there before, so uh, you know it'll be familiar at least for them. They won't be afraid of the the bright lights in the competition. But uh, that said, you know if if they win one, that'll be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean they're playing UConn. UConn's in this pool. We'll talk about them. I mean that that's probably the best chance to win. And I, I don't think they'll get a TV game, but if they do get a team game and they throw the first rock. What are the chances that Vic says? And to get us started, the right honorable Robert Borders. <laughs> what are the odds that he does that? Um, if they get a TV game, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to the first of two wildcard teams in this pool. This is a wildcard team one, which will be branded as a Manitoba team on their jersey, skipped by Mike McEwen. 
Scott, of the 16 teams that were in the field last year in Kingston, Mike McEwen and his team was the team that I was the most impressed with over the course of the week. They had to come Mm -hmm. through the tiebreaker. They beat Glenn Howard in that game. I was there for the first couple of ends and then left and watched the rest of it on TV. And there was a few times during that game where the front end of uh, Hodgson and Samalski were uh, just so vocal and and into it. And Reed Carruthers said, stop. Let's hear what Mm -hmm. Mike has to say. What does Mike want to throw? And that continued through the course of the week where is Mike McEwen is the skip of the team, but Reed is kind of like the captain of the team, or at least that's how it played out last year and was very much in control and recognized when Mike needed to just make the decision and go. And it was very impressive to see all week. It was kind of the biggest criticism that I had of the team in previous years and definitely in that Manitoba final last year where I, I I don't care who they were playing. I don't think they would have won just the way the dynamic was, uh, the, at least the way it showed when watching on TV. I don't know what they did between the Manitoba final and the wildcard game, but if they've continued that, this could be a very formidable team as we go through the week. Yeah, and you're right. Reed Carruthers was, to me, the most impressive player uh, at the event last year. I remember uh, they were giving him his... Uh, first team all-star trophy and and they were taking the pictures and he was very dejected because they had just lost right um and, and were out and and so it was like okay now i gotta smile for the camera like uh it it sort of just showed to me showed me like how much he cares about this and how important it is to him and when he took control of that tiebreaker game uh th- that was the mark to me of, of a real leader uh, and, and it really, really paid off for the team. So they, you know, like they used to be called team Carruthers and now they're team McEwen, but I still think that, that Reed is the most important player on that team. McEwen yeah. might be the best shot maker, but, uh, Reed's the most important player. And if he's playing well, and if his, if his attitude is uh, very good and, and strong, uh, they'll have an awesome week this week. Uh, I remember Colin Hodgson also telling us about how, you know, they just, as a team, like we're able to sit down and talk about a lot of things, uh, not just like, you know, the curling aspects of it, but like things in life. And by doing that, it really helped them gel as a team come together. Uh, and, and once they, once they were able to do that and sort of get over the communication issues, uh, the talent really shone through. Yeah. And so we'll see if that, that comes through this year. They went six and one last year during the pool play, they went one and three, in that championship pool to get them into that tiebreaker where they lose to John Epping and Ontario. So we'll see if this year they can make that jump, kind of like what Laura Walker did this year mm-hmm. is, is you know, you get that good start. Can you sustain it through the course of the week? So certainly be curious to see how it works out for them, but definitely a formidable team there as we move down to the next wildcard team, the team that will actually be branded as Team Wildcard team uh, or at least a skip who has been formidable at this event in the past has struggled in recent appearances and this year we're not entirely sure what his participation is going to be and that's glenn howard scott he uh is there as the third wildcard team and as i said they lost the wildcard game last year 
but Glenn Howard has been in some sort of an accident. Uh, It's been reported. I can't remember the specifics of it, but he is injured. So Wayne Madaw is going to be there. And the way the announcement was worded by Team Howard made it sound like Wayne was there and would play a little. But it's also been interpreted that Wayne is going to skip the entire thing and Glenn isn't going to play at all. Do we have any clarity on what the composition of this team is going to be? Uh, I don't at this time. Yeah, because the announcement uh, was worded weird. Yeah. Yeah. um, I'm like really excited to see this team play because they're they're like so fun to watch. I think, you know. This, yeah, first, seeing this David Mathers version of the team, seeing David Mathers like gets you gets you angry. I really like that. No, they're they're really talented, and the, Glenn has been sort of grooming Scott to take over as the skip uh, for a long time now. We saw last year they played in an event down in uh, Nova Scotia, yeah, and won the event on a great shot by Scott. Um, you know, even even if Glenn is hurt. Uh, you know, uh, I think they'll still be able to play without him. And having Wayne Madaw there as as your guy who's filling in is really, really, really uh, good. I, I don't think I don't think Wayne has played. It's really, really, really good. Are you sh- you sure you don't want to take some English lessons? <laughs> so, so here I, I'll read the. Uh, I'll read the update from, yeah, yeah. from their team. That's what I was looking for. That's why I was not talking. <laughs> well. uh, so the skipper Glenn is dealing with, as the pros say, an upper body injury. Shockingly, at 58 years of age, it's not quite healing the way the young 30-year-old doctor said it would. Insert laugh emoji. <laughs> Therefore, Team Howard will be rolling with a five-man team rotation Wayne Madaw with his young legs will be taking on a bigger role than just Caesar Sunday connoisseur do not worry Wayne has been on strict orders to not only quarantine but to stay away from the slopes see you in the bubble yes and the slopes the slopes reference is when Wayne Madaw broke his leg skiing before the 2016 Briar Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah, so my interpretation is that Glenn and Wayne will sort of alternate skipping. Um, although, like an upper body injury, does that affect your curling that much? I don't know. Um, I mean, if it's a, like if your right arm is broken, you can't really play. Well, like it helps you to keep it straight. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so I mean, I, I like I like watching this team. I was cheering for them last year in the wild card game, Sean. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I just I just like them. All right. That's good. And a lot of people do. And yeah, I think Glenn Howard has had a phenomenal career, obviously. And it is one of these things where, yeah, keep playing, man, until you don't want to yeah. play anymore. And Scott could turn out to be a really good skip. And the more you play, the more you are in these events, the better it is for you and for your development. I don't think this team is as charming as they were when it was Glenn Howard with Richard Hart and Lang and Savile. No, no, it would hard to be. It would be hard to be that uh, that charming. Yeah. However, though, Sean uh, Carly Howard, his daughter, is 
awesome on Twitter. Yes. And when she takes over their Twitter account, uh, it's very fun. Yes, that is true. She is very good at, uh, at running the Twitter account. So let's hope that they have some success. They'll get at least one TV game this week, I would think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe the Saturday morning opening up against uh, Mike McEwen. So maybe that pencil that one in. As your TV yeah, and they'll be, they'll be back wearing the uh, traditional black and red of yes. Ontario. All right, so let's keep on going. Final team in the pool, Dustin Mickelson, his team from UConn. Scott, this is going to be a, a, a tough one for this squad. We saw with the women's side that they certainly struggled to generate points. They, they did take some teams late into the game, a couple of unfortunate breaks for them to lose some big leads. But I don't think we have super high expectations for them. We saw last year Thomas Scoffin was Team Yukon. He's a very decorated player as a junior. Didn't have a great week. And if we use that sort of past his prologue, I'm not sure what we can expect from Dustin and the squad here from Whitehorse. Yeah, not uh, not a lot of expectations. Absolutely. I'll, Sean, I'll correct myself before I get uh, yelled at. The, Glenn Howard will be wearing the wildcard team colors and they will yes. be teal and dark blue all right why did they start they i know the players hated the orange during the trials but bring the orange back give the yeah, people the orange like nice. orange something we we want absolutely and so i don't want to give short shrift now to uh uh t mickelson i yeah i mean i don't expect them to win any games or if they do it'll be against the territories that would certainly be the ex- expectation yeah yeah yeah, this pool is stacked. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good, really, really good pool. They open against James Grattan. Seems like. Yeah, I might be able to catch uh, catch uh, young Jimmy there. Oh, no, Jimmy excuse me. They open against, this is the, sorry, the Curling Canada site is broken. Draw 10 is at the top for some reason. Uh, they open against Brad Jacobs, my my mistake. Ah, yeah. Uh, thrown to the fire. Yeah, so uh, not great there. But again, it, it seemed like the UConn women were having a lot of fun. And uh, so hopefully they have a great week in the bubble and uh, give us a couple stories and and some highlight shots on the updates. That's really the hope. There you go. All right. So that is pool A. Let's shift over to pool number B. Scott, let's start here with Team Canada and Brad Gushu, a guy who for years and years and years just couldn't win a briar. Sometimes could barely make the playoffs at the Briar, despite being an Olympic gold medalist. I don't know if you heard, but it was the 15th anniversary of that event during the Scotties. I don't know if you don't know if you caught that. Uh, So uh, now he has three Canadian championships in the past four years. And he is back to defend his title. What's interesting about this team, I think the most interesting thing about this team is they haven't seen each other since they won last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff's, of course, been in Alberta. So this team has played, Sean, uh, yeah. Brad, Mark, and Brett, along with a rotating cast of uh, Newfoundland junior players. Uh, and can you guess the record? I think they went undefeated. Yeah, they haven't lost. Yeah. So. Uh, I think that's looks like 12 and 0. So yeah, they'll be, they'll be fine. They're a great team. 
they're good. Maybe if they lose their first one, they'll look at Jeff and blame him. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, this team will be there at the end of the week. No yeah, doubt about it. Yeah, no, no question about it. And if you're looking at the TV games, they're opening against Epping. As I said, that's already been announced as a TV game. Sunday mm-hmm. night, it's against Cooey. Also will be a TV game. And then Monday night against Dunstone. Don't be surprised if that's your TV game either. So uh, yeah. three, out of the, three out of the first four nights, we could get Brad Gushu on our TVs, and I will not be looking at Twitter mentions of ref, or in reference to the broadcast once we get to Monday. Uh, the other thing for this team, because Jeff hasn't been there, they've been taking junior players to these events. That is the case this year as the fifth position. Ryan McNeil, Lambswood, will be there. He's played with them a couple times this year. So great job there by Brad Gushu to foster that youth play in Newfoundland and Labrador. And I think he is very cognizant of his curling mortality and wanting to ensure that there are top level teams there in Newfoundland and Labrador once he goes to the booth. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a really good job. Uh, really good job by him to bring that along. And, uh, Brad Gushu, one of the reasons that he's on TV a lot, Sean, is not only because he's good, it's because he's good on TV. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of fans just love watching Brad Gushu. I know uh, Sherry, a friend of the podcast, is a big Brad Gushu fan. Uh, got to meet him, take a picture with him a, a couple of years ago. Uh, lots of big Gushu stands out there. No question. So uh, no, uh, when TSN gets the chance to put him on TV, they uh, they best not pass it up too much. Yeah, he's yeah he's very entertaining, and he gets the Chelsea Carey Award on the men's side for the best quote. I think, if I'm mm. being honest, uh, one of my favorite answers ever to a question I asked a curler. Awesome. When, when I asked, uh, when we had, it was like three years in a row the same playoff teams. I had, I was like, Brad, what, what's up with that? Where's the depth? And he's like, We're the best skips. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, very honest. So uh, so let's move on. The second team from Newfoundland and Labrador. This year, it's the one and only Greg Smith winning the Newfoundland and Labrador tankard in a 12th end. We talked about it at the time. The opponent there had a wide open draw, just had to hit the paint in the 11th end and threw it through. Tough break, and then Greg Smith comes down, makes a beautiful shot with his final in the 11th or in the 12th end to win. Second time that we've seen Greg Smith at a Briar didn't go so great for him in terms of wins and losses. Made for some interesting television. He's a pretty emotional, evocative player out on the ice from what we've seen. And it'll be fun to see him back and see if he can improve on that that performance that we saw in his first round. But as we said off the top, it's going to be really tough for anybody other than the big four to get out of this pool. Yeah, really, really tough. They, uh, They went one and six at the last uh, the last event. But like you say, brought a lot of energy, um, brought a lot of, uh, yeah, energy and sort of like some passion to the game. Uh, he did break his broom once on a, on a broom <laughs> slam, I think. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how the lack of crowd will affect uh, Greg Smith, if, if that'll sort of take away some of the energy with which he plays. Maybe. Uh, remains to be seen, but... Uh, Always fun to have uh, somewhat new faces at the Briar, so uh, we'll we'll see how they go. But uh, I have no huge expectations. No, and we'll see if they get a TV game. I'm not super confident that they'll get a TV game. To be honest, 
maybe against Cooey on Saturday afternoon. I think it would have to be early yeah. uh, if we're yeah, going to get it. Or Saturday morning against, or Sunday against morning. Gushu. No, Sunday morning against Dunstone. Oh, what about uh, when they play Brad Gushu? We already That'd talked about it. We already talked about right. it. It's Thursday night. Yeah, I know, but uh, I, I still think it could be fun. Or when but they're not putting that on TV, no way. No, they're not going to put that on TV. <laughs> so, uh, so let's move on to Nova Scotia. This is, of course, the great Jamie Murphy's team. Jamie Murphy will not be there. They pulled in Scott McDonald, who represented Ontario at the Briar in 2019. The man who launched 10,000 emails to Curl Ontario. When, uh, when that happened, we won't get into the details of why that happened or why that was a controversy within the province, because frankly, it's not very interesting. But Scott McDonald is going to be there. The team last year went three and one through the first four games and then lost to Alberta, Northern Ontario and Manitoba in succession to go three and four. Scott, they beat the teams last year. They were supposed to. They lost to the teams that maybe they were supposed to, to go three and four. I could very much see that that's the fate of this team this year. Yeah, I, I think so. It's not, uh, it, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I, I got nothing more to say than that. Then, then, then that, uh, of course, you know, Scott McDonald referred to as the golden God yeah. in some circles. Um, could he win some games on his own? Maybe. No. Yeah. I, I could see him, you know, winning some games on his own against maybe Mike Fournier or sneaking up on a Matt Dunstone. Probably not though, right? He's probably that that next one just below the top four or five in this in this pool. Yeah, I think so. And I that's why I think four and four could be the right record for them. That they lose to the mm-hmm. big four, they beat the other four, and they're that sandwich team. Right. Right. And Sean, do you think this team's expectations have changed at all without jamie murphy no probably not probably the same eh? yeah i i don't think they would have come in with jamie murphy especially in a pool like this and been like hey we we're gonna win the pool Mm -hmm. i mean they would probably say that they're gonna go and compete and they want to like win the pool and win every game because of course you do like you know to you know the late great denny green you know you you, that's why you're on the field to win the game that's why you take the field But, you know, if you're looking at it, certainly based off of the precedent they have, they're a team that, uh, and I think they said this, or at least Jamie said this last year, that the goal was the championship pool. So I would assume that right. that's their, would be their stated goal coming in. Right, right. Makes sense. All right, let's head up north. The final team from the north, Nunavut, Peter McKay is in this field representing the most easterly of the territories. Scott, a team that has not found the same level of success or a member association that has not found the same level of success on the men's side as they have on the women's side where Nunavut teams have won games. And last year, a few blowouts for this squad. A couple of times they kept it close, three-point games against Nova Scotia, Quebec. But generally speaking, they were all conceded well before the 10th end. Yeah, is are we sure of the pronunciation of, of Peter McKay? Peter what? Mackey? Mackey? It could be Mackey. Uh, so Peter was on that team oh, a it couple is Mackey. of years Excuse ago. Excuse me. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's Mackey. My apologies to Peter and the team from Nunavut. It is Mackey. So he was there a couple of years ago, right, with uh, the team that we played in our event here in Ottawa. 
Yeah, and it's not quite the same team this time. Jeff Nadeau is there. We played against him. He was there the first year. Uh, great guy. Like th- these are yeah. like they're they're you know if if Jeff is an indication of the team, great guys, fun to be around. They'll go. They'll have a good time, and hopefully for them, they play at least a couple close games. Yeah, I think uh, a goal of getting to the tenth end is a, a very good one. Yeah. And and they've got uh, Brady St. Louis as their alternate. Uh, I yeah. presume that is someone related to Dave St. Louis, who was their skip a few years ago. Yeah, based off of the photo and the uh, jersey he's wearing, yes, uh, that would be the case. So uh, so yeah, so so great for them to be there. I'm all for the, having the northern teams there. I don't care if they go zero and eight. That's fine. Let them in, develop the sport all across the country. So I'm definitely good with that. Uh, so let's move on to Ontario. John Epping last year, of course, as the host team, lost to Northern Ontario in the final tiebreak. They won the first round of the tiebreak, lost the second round. John Epping and his team, 7-4 and four last year in the event. This year, I don't know. John Epping, John Epping is the hardest player in the men's game in Canada at least to get a feel for he can make any shot on the board he can also miss any shot on the board he doesn't have a textbook delivery he's kind of all over the place he can fishtail he can do this and that and he he talks about this I'm not sort of this isn't my analysis this is things that he has said about his own play which makes it somewhat inconsistent at times but then he can go out win the Canada Cup so I have yeah. no idea what to make of John Epping. Fun to watch. Fry is, I think, a better fit here than he ever was with Northern Ontario and Brad Jacobs. So, you know, I I, I just have no idea, though, Scott. <laughs> I never do with John Epping. Yeah, probably the highest variance between any of these uh, upper echelon teams at this event, right? It's like you say, you could see him catching lightning in a bottle and you know maybe one or two losses the whole event winning the whole thing or you could see him you know bottom of the championship pool yeah or i i I don't think i could see him missing the championship pool uh given the group that's there it'd be hard it it would be hard maybe you know but something would have to go really wrong really wrong and for me with john epping the key was always would matt cam play uh, up to a level that's needed to give John Epping, you know, if he had the fewer choices he has for his shots, I think the better because yeah. he's, he's the kind of skip that is so good that he can make anything that it can cause him to overthink a bit. So, you know, having, having the end set up in the way that you want and the way that gives you a pretty straightforward choice when it comes to your shots, I, I think that's the way, and that's when John Epping's at his best. Yeah. Cause as you I, say, I he can make anything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll look for that. We'll look to see, yeah, Ryan Fry, how his week goes and Matt Cam, how his week goes. Uh, if they're up near the top of the tables, I think this team is a, is a real threat. Yeah. And, and that's why I say, I think Fry is such a good fit for them that he, he has all that experience. He knows the game inside and out. Not that Matt Cam isn't very, very good, but just Fry is, is, has that extra level of of experience and he has the ability to be more aggressive in the house, I think, than Matt Cam ever was. To say, all right, we're yeah. doing this. 
and let's not talk about it anymore. So uh, that's mm-hmm. why I like that fit here a lot more. They come out of the gate, Gushu Dunstone, welcome to the Briar. Like, <laughs> uh, so you know, yeah, they could be they could be two and zero, oh, they could be zero oh and two. Neither would surprise me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, then they get the then it sort of eases up for them. They get Kui in that game Wednesday night that we talked about. That'll be a TV game. And and so we'll see. Those are obviously the three big games for them. If they come out of this five and three, it's going to be tough sledding to make it into the playoffs. It won't be impossible, but it'll be tough. Yeah, they'll have to they'll have to run the other table or yeah, the other pool. And yeah. you know, as we talked about that, that other pool is pretty hard. Yeah. All right, so let's head to the island, Scott. The man, the myth, the legend himself. Eddie McKenzie is back. Oh, you gotta love seeing big Eddie McKenzie there. <laughs> Out of Briar. I, I don't know. I just like this guy. I, I don't know really why it is, but Eddie McKenzie, it's it's fun when he's there. Not really a threat to win the event, but uh, a great guy, fun to see on the updates. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's what do you expect? I expect him to go three and five in the uh, round robin. I think. You know, maybe he'll, I, I haven't looked at his schedule, uh, but if he gets out, you know, two and one, we're going to hear Vex saying, Eddie McKenzie, Eddie Mac. bit of a surprise there to the Charlottetown Curling Club. Uh, so yeah, it'll be, oh, I'm sorry. He's from the Crapode Community Curling Club and Montague Curling Club. Yeah. They're uh, not, they're not, they're not saying that every time. <laughs> No, no. Uh, so they'll be, they'll be in the truck and be like, "Hey, uh, Vic, do you want to do an update from the PI game Mackenzie's throwing?" He's like, "Ooh, no, no." It just sounds po- like something for Kathy. Just, just post the score at the bottom. I don't want to say the score. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. So, I, yeah, I think they'll beat uh, Team Nunavut. I think they'll they beat Mike Fournier at the last uh, time that both of them were there yeah. uh, by a point. So that'll be a good game. And I think they'll beat uh, Greg Smith. So okay. those are sort of the three I think that they can win. Yeah. Well, all right. Rest... Well, Scott, let me throw this at you. You said they might be three and one. They might be four and one. Oh yeah. Nova Scotia. Then Wild. Then Wildcard two. Cooey. Quebec, Newfoundland, Labrador, Nunavut are the first five. If mm. they're four and one. And then they'll eventually be four and four. In all likelihood, they finish with Canada, Saskatchewan, Ontario. Like they finish with the murderer's row there in the last three. But Scott, they could be four and one and we could all be going nuts. How much fun so would Sean, that be? So Sean, that Wednesday night game, whether it's, uh, you know, wild card two versus Ontario. It's not going to be Saskatchewan PI. PI Saskatchewan. <laughs> no. Four and one, Eddie McKenzie. Well, he'd be four and two at that point. He would have oh, lost yeah. to Gushu. It could be a four and one, Eddie McKenzie against Gushu on Wednesday morning. Wednesday morning? Yeah. I would give you that. If Eddie McKenzie is four and one, he's getting that TV game on. That morning Wednesday. draw. Yeah. Ah, that'd be fun. That would be good. We didn't get a PEI, or excuse me, we did get uh, PEI games with Suzanne Burke. We didn't get a lot of East Coast coverage there. No. And on the men's side, no. it's going to be less. Uh, it's going to be Gushu and then everybody else scrounging potentially for a TV game. So it'd be nice if that is the case. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So Eddie McKenzie back. Always fun. You know who else is fun? Mike Fournier, Scott, uh, representing Quebec for the second time. Written some great blogs about the field and who should be there, in his opinion, and, and what it's been like in this COVID year, what to expect in the bubble. I think uh, a fun player, obviously a very good player, to make it to a briar. And I think, Scott, best case scenario for us is he makes it, he goes four and four, maybe he goes five and three, if he gets in the championship pool or not, but he's going to have some stories. And I think the blog posts coming out of this are going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. He's got, you know, he starts with Greg Smith, then Brad Gushu, then Nunavut. So, you know, Nunavut, then PI. So like we talked for Eddie McKenzie could be three and one, four yeah. and one, uh, you know, maybe Mike Fournier comes out three and one out of the gate. Uh, and, and then, you know, hope for a, a break in some of those last four games. Yeah. Uh, well, Scott, he's, he's another one. He could be four and one. His, his fifth games against uh, Nova Scotia. He also ends with Saskatchewan, Ontario and he gets wildcard too. He plays Gushu earlier, but he ends yeah. with the murderers row too. So he could be four and one. Yeah. And that, and that would be pretty fun. Uh, yeah. He's since last time we saw him at the Briar, uh, Martin Kret has come over to play third. Yep. Uh, I think that happened last season. Big improvement. Uh, no question. Big improvement at the third position. A great shooter. Uh, we've seen him for a long time with Jean-Michel Menard, but also he skipped his own team, I think, one year. Yeah, he did. So, uh, yeah, a lot of experience there for him. That should really help this team. I think uh, that, that the, you know, the first time Briar jitters are done. Yeah. But now you add uh, Martin Kret and his uh, many, many appearances. Uh, we don't have the media guide, so I can't figure out how many but a lot uh, a lot a lot uh it, it should really help this team and yeah i could see them finishing uh four and four right on the fringe yep. with that nova scotia team uh for just being out of yep. of the uh, playoffs yeah i mean championship pool yeah there are games like the pi game the nova scotia game those are games even greg smith he opens against greg smith as you said those are games that they're not going to be the TV games, but those are games that in person you would want to follow and want to pay attention to uh, just to see, because that is that next tier of teams. And those mm-hmm. games are going to be important if one of the top four stubs their toe somewhere, that those games against each other are going to be really important. So uh, those are the games that are, are fun to keep track of when you're in the building. Absolutely. All right, let's head on down to Saskatchewan. And we got Scott, the sea of green and the sky of blue out in the beautiful prairie province of Saskatchewan. Matt Dunstone is back, lost last year's semifinal. He was in the one two game. Great week. Some just incredible wins at the buzzer for this team. Adam Kingsbury is there as the coach. I think more importantly, though, this is the first time we are going to see Kirk Myers. On the team, playing second, Dustin Kidby at lead. Of course, Muscawi at third. For as good as this team was last year, I think the addition of Myers improves them. So definitely a force to be reckoned with this week. Yeah, somewhere Sean uh, Catlin Schneider saying, hey, uh, what did I do to you, man? Uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's good. Uh, Catlin it, Schneider is very good. Yes, he's good. Kirk Myers is, a, I would say, a better shot maker. Uh, no slight to uh, no. Catlin. Don't call me Caitlin. Yeah. You know who else Kirk Myers is better than me. So, you know, bold, Sean, <laughs> yeah. very bold. 
Yeah. Um, I don't think, yeah, yeah, I don't think it's insulting to say that Kirk Myers is a really good player. No, 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 for sure. And so they sort of had their breakout last year, uh, right at the Briar. Yep. Um, we'll see what the addition of Kirk does. We think it will improve their team, but a new player into, into a situation always changes the dynamics, right? Yeah. They haven't had the chance to play too much because of the, the pandemic to really like get their sea legs with each other. That said, they've played against each other for so long. They all know each other. It, it shouldn't be too hard to transition, but we'll wait and see. And you sort of worry sometimes with a team that broke out of maybe a sophomore slump, right? Right. Uh, so we'll have to watch for that. Adam, as their coach, is very, I'm sure, is very cognizant of, of that being a possibility and uh, has them as well prepared as he can for this event. Um, I, I'll expect them to be in the championship pool again. Will they finish second again this year? I doubt it. Uh, I think I think Team Kui is better. Um, I think John Epping can be better. And uh, Team Northern Ontario should be a little bit higher in the standings than they were last year. So, yeah, that's that's sort of my my take on the Saskatchewan team. Yeah, and uh, and if you look at their record last year, it did take, as I said, some escaping to do. Yep. The British Columbia game, certainly, I think that was Monday morning, was a crazy finish uh, on a big shot to win. Uh, mm-hmm. Beat Canada by a point in that one. Manitoba, they won 9-8 in the championship pool. Uh, crazy game there. So they, they did, but not to say that they got lucky, because you had to make those shots, and he made the shots. Yeah, so. Exactly you wonder how, how much you can replicate that. And you don't want to be in a position with all due respect to the other teams. You don't want to be in a position where you need a hero shot against British Columbia to win. No, no. Uh, you don't need, want to need that. But at the same time, when you have a guy who can make it, it, it really helps. Yeah. So Yeah. The marquee game for them last year was the Thursday night against Gushu in the championship pool. They win six to five. Mm-hmm. That, that was sort of the peak moment, obviously, because they lost the rest of their games. But that was really the the peak for them in where they were. Excuse me. That was Friday night, not Thursday night. But that that's that moment where you're like, they, these guys, they're real. Like, they're here. They're here to play. They're for real. And uh, now we see if they can take that next step. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Finishing, you know, finishing second in the in the standings and then losing that one, two game and then losing the semifinal. They were very disappointed by that. So yeah, we'll see if they use it as motivation to come back hungrier or if it causes them to, to slip a bit. And finally, the last team, the the 18th team in the pool and Scott, the team that I think is the reason why we have three wildcard teams. It's Kevin Cooey, his squad out of Alberta. They are officially wildcard number two, changing the lineup this year. Colton Flash is no longer throwing the second stones. The great John Morris is stepping in. So that'll be a lot of fun to have John Morris back on TV. I think it'll be strange with Ben Hebert and John Morris sweeping together. I don't know how they'll be able to hear each other because uh, it's hard when you're talking over each other. Yeah. all the time uh neither of them are are well i mean they both are very vocal out there uh basically give a running commentary of the game <laughs> which is great which is super fun uh we'll just see how it works together uh new felton cooey of course as the back end last year struggled i think all week 
didn't really ever get into top Kui form, made a couple great shots to win games, but not not what you would expect from this team from a normal year. Now we get the addition of John Morris. Definitely have to consider them a favorite as we head into the week. Yeah, I think uh, adding John Morris to the team sort of gives them a, a shot of energy that they kind of needed. Yep. Um, Colton is a great player and has, but he has like a lot of energy that when he's not making shots, it can turn a bit self-destructive uh, in my opinion. Um, sort of like come, he brings it sort of onto himself, right? Where he's sort of angry at himself. And, uh, you know, if you're making all your shots and you're not experiencing that, then there's no limit to how great a player you can be. But when you let those those things sort of, you know, creep in, uh, it can hurt the efficacy of you and you as a member of the team. Uh, so having John Morris there, I think, you know, John has done this too, uh, early in his career, he would let those sorts of things, uh, get to him a bit, but you know, tons of experience, really great. I think he's going to hold the broom as the third, uh, and BJ is going to sweep. Uh, so, you know, you won't have John and Ben sweeping at the same time, uh, which is good. Uh, BJ also a bit of a stronger sweeper, I'd say than, than John Morris. And I, I don't think he would disagree with that. Uh, I, I'm like, I'm way more excited to see this team than I was last year, Sean, uh, Morris, one of my favorite players, uh, ever. And uh, I think he sort of has the same kind of in the house energy that Fry would have for John Epping, right? Morris can say to to coup. I don't know. All right. This is the shot we got to play. No, John Morris sees every option, sees every angle. I don't know if you need that with Cooey. I mean, well, no, because Kui will be thinking about everything in his head, but John will be able to communicate to the, those watching at home. What Kevin Kui is what, thinking. <laughs> yes, what those options are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Morris, Morris is basically a fourth person in the booth when he's playing. Like, yeah, do this, great on TV. They'll do great this, they'll do this, this will be this, this, this. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't think it'll help in terms of speeding up the decision-making process for Kevin Cooey, which he sometimes needs because you don't want to be in a situation where you look up and it's the 10th end and you have 90 seconds left. No, so no, that, you're right. That could be an issue for this team is the the time management and keeping things going. Ben Hebert is the one who's in charge of that for this team because he's yelling down a lot, like, let's go, let's go. Uh, yeah. I, I do think with the, the loss of Colton Flash – Either BJ or John, whoever would be sweeping, it is a step down from Colton Flash. I would yep. expect that we'll see Ben Hebert switch back and forth based on yeah, based what on the, the turn. turn is. We saw that happen a couple times last year. I think that will probably be the MO, especially on big shots this week, that Ben Hebert will be the inside, the dominant sweeper. So keep an eye on that as a nice little storyline of this team and how often they do it, when they do it, because you obviously don't want to wear Ben out over the first weekend. But when it comes down to critical shots, don't be surprised if Ben is going back and forth to be that inside dominant sweeper. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. But you're right. Colton is definitely a a very strong sweeper. So a downgrade there for sure. But this team will be there at the end of the week. Um, They always are. the playoffs, I'd say. (laughs) They always are. They always are, Sean. They always are. So there you have it. 18 squads that are in the bubble as we speak, getting ready for things to kick off on Friday night. Everything is the same as the Scotties in terms of prize money. 300,000 up for grabs. Winners get 100,000. 
The schedule is the exact same with 10.30, 3.30, 8.30 Eastern time draws. There is no Monday morning draw unless something happens again. That was a bonus draw for us to get a, a Monday morning game. Nothing scheduled on Monday morning this time. Round robin through till Thursday. Championship pool Friday, Saturday, and then semifinal. Final on Sunday. Tiebreaker if you need it. But uh, what we just saw, we're running it back in terms of the format. So, Scott, uh, let's get right into it. Three playoff spots up for grabs. Who you got in them and who's coming out on top? Man, three is really hard in uh, in the men's game, hey? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at things here, and I, I got to say Brad Jacobs. I, th- I got to think they'll be there. Mm-hmm. I, I got to think Brendan Botcher will too. Okay. And then am I am I going to be the guy who's dumb enough to not pick Brad Gushu to make the playoffs? Because I, I think I did that last year. <laughs> um, can I say that I, Gushu and Kui in a tiebreaker? Boo. Uh, all out. Who wins, Scott? The whole event? Yeah. I think it's uh, Jacobs. Okay. I think they're the best team. Northern Ontario to win, and then you got Alberta in the playoffs and a tiebreaker between Team Canada and wildcard number two. I am going to go with no tiebreaks this week. I'm going to go with Kevin Cooey and Brad Jacobs to make the playoffs, and I'm going to give it to him, even though it's fun. It'd be fun if he won the gold medal up next year and was the guy who just needed the briar to cap off his career because he's won the mm. juniors, but I'm going to go with Brandon Botcher. They get over the top. I think it would hurt my soul if they lost again. Uh, and I don't know any of them and I really have no connection to them and frankly don't really all that much care, but I think it would be so painful to see them lose a fourth one more. So mo- mostly for Darren, uh, yeah. to lose the fourth one in a row. So I'm going to go with Alberta and Brandon Botcher to win. Very good. Very good. Uh, are you going to put some money on that, Sean? Not a penny. Not a penny. No. So uh, very I have no, confident. I have no confidence. There's too many good teams. Well, Sean, I may have found uh, a website where a little wager could be. Yes, there are, odds, there are odds available. That it is bettable if you want to, to, to go and put wagers on. Uh, the one I remember is just from the tweet that Botcher is plus 400 to win. I think that was the case. That's right. Um, if you buy me a little time, I can. All right. Go for it. Yeah. Look, look them up. Uh, I'll also say that over at officepools.com, you can pick every game of the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar. As it goes along, you just have until the start of the draw to make the picks for that draw, or you can pick the entire round robin play uh, in one swath. So that's what I did for the Scotties, and then you do it for the championship pool and then the playoffs as well. You can go through, keep track of your picks. Uh, Super fun to go through and do that. I went 49 and 23 in the round robin of the Scotties, 10 and 6 in the championship pool. And then I went 2 and 1 in the games on Sunday. Uh, There's more points as you go through later in the week. But it's just fun to have a way to track the, the picks. So that was a lot of fun. So they're doing that again for the Briar. And Fantasy Curling is available and open for the Briar on Curling Zone. Pick six teams. Each team has a value. 
associated with them and you have a cap of how much you're allowed to spend in that figurative money. It's not real, of course. Uh, and then it tracks based on points scored and wins and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, encourage everybody to play along. Why not? It's a, another thing that you can do. I did poorly uh, up the track on that. If Rachel Holman had won, I would have done a little better. But uh, fun times over on Curling Zone and our pal Scott Chu, who helps to set up the fantasy curling. So, Scott, what are the odds for the Briar? So, yeah, uh, Team Canada, the best odds, is uh, plus 322. Uh, Northern Ontario, Brad Jacobs, plus 359. Then Kevin Cooey at plus 411. And Brendan Botcher, plus 443. Weird uh, you can also bet on who to win each of the pools in the preliminary play and the longest odds to win the Briar Sean. Nunavut? Nunavut. Uh, my goodness. 10,000? It's 305. So oh. 30,000 to, to yeah. one? It's a lot. But, oh, I mean, worth putting a shekel on it, no? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. I, I could, I'd rather just send it to write to Peter Mackey and be like, Hey, good job, man. <laughs> rather than to Pretty give it to cool. the, the bet people. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, maybe yeah, if you're Peter Mackey, maybe you bet on yourself just to have the slip and be like, Hey, like I bet on myself. Yeah. Cool. little thing. Yeah. There. I, Sean, my favorite uh, sports gambling story is that I, I bet on the Pittsburgh Penguins to win yeah. the Stanley cup when we were down in Vegas for one of the continental cups. And paid off. They won, and I th- so I think I won four hundred dollars. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, I won twenty five dollars on that trip on the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, it's when they were really bad, and I had seen them in person twice that year. And I was so <laughs> mad at them, and it was even odds in the second half. And I just went, whatever it is against the Nets, uh, and I won. <laughs> what a spite bet! <laughs> on Very good. Trip. So. uh so yeah, so if you want to check out the odds, uh, it's available online. But uh, definitely have fun with the Briar, whatever it is you're doing. And uh, as I said, fantasy curling in the office pool is totally free to play. A fun way just to, to hang out. And they keep track of all the standings and all that. So that'll do it for our Briar preview. 18 squads, only one, will come out on top a week from Sunday. Another marathon nine-day event. Should be a lot of fun, though. We'll be along every day of the event following the afternoon draw for a little broom stacking over on the Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Game of Stones podcast. So check that one out. We're there hanging out, just talking about all the games, all the fun and frivolity of the bubble life out from Calgary. Yeah. And and Sean, we'll uh, we'll post the link if you want to come on and join us. Ask us ask us some questions. Uh, you'll be able to do that, and you can ask questions in the chat too, and uh, yeah. sort of guide the conversation a little more uh, because we want to make it feel like yeah, you just got off the ice and you're Hanging talking out. about the game. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so we'll be over there every day around six thirty Eastern time ish, depending on what the the draws are like, and then uh, as we go through the the event, it moves up when the games go to 2.30 Eastern time. but uh, So check us out over there and follow along with all that. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones Pod. As I said, the Facebook page is Game of Stones Podcast. Uh, so you can find us there, follow like that, and you'll get the updates for when we go live. And do subscribe to this feed if you have not yet. Wherever it is you get your podcast, likes, ratings, all that good stuff. Tell other people about the show if you like it. Helps us grow, helps keep us going. And we certainly appreciate when folks share information about the 
show and head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All past episodes are there, plus a couple blog posts about Olympic qualification and the merch, which is, I think, in the process of being updated. But we'll update that on the live stream. We'll talk about some merch options when mm-hmm. we get into the broom stacking. So head on over to gameofstonespod.com. You can check all that fun stuff out. So, Scott, enjoy the games, buddy. Thanks, Sean. You too. I will try my best. And we'll, we'll talk, talk to you on <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk to everybody on Saturday. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.